Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. We were at such a desperate place that Andrew, it was like life. It was just life that was coming from the television. And every area in our life has been turned right side up. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to another special edition of The Gospel Truth. This week, I'm interviewing John Tesh about how God has changed his life and specifically healed him of cancer. So we've already been into this interview. We're continuing it today. Uh, enjoy this, and I'll be back right at the close of today's broadcast. So before we get back to the healing, you went from being a news reporter and stuff, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because you know your story better than I do, but you, your passion was music, and you basically gave up Entertainment Tonight, which was quite a gig. You were on there for, what, 10 years? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess that was uh, providing you with a lot of money, a lot of recognition. I mean, you were at the top of your game, and you basically walked away from it because that wasn't really... What was in your heart? Yeah, what a what a move. <laughs> I mean, coming from living in a tent right. to where you hit this level of success that right. gives you security, recognition, and stuff, and then you just walk away from it. That's bound to have been a big deal. Yeah, that's a great question. Let's just leave it there. No, um, uh, you know, I'm what, sorry if you don't want to no, answer. No, any I'll of answer this anything, stuff, of course, you know? obviously. But when I what what happened to me was when I was at news at WCBS, I got a call to go to do be a be a, a sportscaster for CBS Network to travel the world to do the Olympics, to do downhill skiing, all the rest of that stuff. And did you know that stuff? Did you know sports when you started doing it? How did you know to ask that question? I the guy from uh, 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 Terry O'Neill and Van Gordon Sauter, who ran CBS Sports. Call me up and they say, "Hey, I've been at I've been at CBS News for six years. Um, we'd like you to come over here and work over here." And I said, "Listen, I, I think you have the wrong guy." I said, "I, I don't I can't name three. I still can't. <laughs> I can't name three NBA teams. You know, I'm not. I I, you know, I played sports in school, but I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not your guy." And they said, "No, no. We've seen you on the air. We, we're looking for you to be like a sideline reporter." And I said, uh, "And you'll travel the world. And besides, you look bored on the air now." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I said, that's a nice thing to say. They said, yeah, you look a little bored. You, you, you need a challenge. And I said, okay. And I don't know what made me say yes, but I said yes. And they shipped me off. And so I was doing the, uh, the, the Tour de France and, and Ironman triathlon and all the rest of this stuff as a sideline reporter. And then somebody would, would, would get, um, uh, they'd get sick or they, they weren't available. And so I had to be the play-by-play guy. You know, and uh, with, uh, with James Brown, uh, Jim, uh, yeah, yeah. J, he calls himself JB. Yeah, JB was uh, was right behind me at uh, you know at, at, at CBS. But the so cool, y'all knew each other back in the yeah, time. we did. But the cool thing about it was that when I did the Tour de France and when I did uh, the Olympics and all that stuff, they always needed music, and I knew that they needed music because I was in that mix with them. So I would like travel my synthesizers and stuff, you know, to Europe. And I would play music for the Tour de France, and then one of those shows won an Emmy, and then I did some themes for for golf and for football, and one of those won an Emmy. So all of a sudden, people are like, well, "Wait a second, maybe this kid knows what he's what he's doing." And at the end of that, uh, I got a call from the guys at Entertainment Tonight, and they said, "Hey, we saw a tape of yours. <laughs> it's always like this, right? Anchoring the news in Nashville with uh, with Pat Sajak, uh, and and they said uh, we." Um, 
we'd like for you to come and audition for entertainment tonight. This was 1986. And so I said, what is that? I was like, you, I said, I don't I have no idea. I've never seen that. So I went and auditioned and I was like, eh, I don't know. It's entertainment news? I don't think so. And they said, well, listen, you only work four hours a day and you can use the, and we have recording studios and you can use them free of charge. So I said, yes, left New York, went to entertainment tonight. And so that's when my touring career began where, and recording career. But, um, I couldn't get signed by a record label, you know, because it was like, well, this is the guy on entertainment tonight. How can he possibly be a musician? So I was watching TV and I saw the Moody Blues and, uh, somebody else, um, uh, probably the U2 and they were doing a special at Red Rocks. And I said, that's it. That's what we're going to do, Connie, my wife. We're going to go. We, we have to do this. And so I went to PBS and said, uh, hey, we have an idea for a special. And they're like, well, how many records are you selling a week? Do you have a, a, a background? I said, yeah, 50. <laughs> and they said, well, and they said, how many, how many concerts are you doing a year? And I said, two. And they said, listen, if you make this special, then uh, we'll take a look at it. And long story short, we took a second mortgage on our house. Connie said yes to this. So they didn't invest any money. One, you had not to. one penny. Oh wow! But we we record. We started recording it. You can see video of this uh, on on our special that we recorded here at Karis, with four songs in, with the eighty piece Colorado Symphony Orchestra and seven thousand people in the audience. It rains like it's never rained there before. It was raining sideways. <laughs> and, uh, and that's an outside amphitheater. Oh my gosh. And the orchestra had to leave because their instruments would be ruined. But my core band, me and drums and bass and guitar and stuff, we just kept playing. We knew we had, didn't have a special. We knew we had lost, probably lost our house. And the people stayed? That's what I couldn't believe. And that's the only reason we stayed was they, they put on their slickers and they put up their umbrellas and they started, and they, and they, they, couldn't, they started stomping their feet. And they said, what are we going to do? We have to keep playing. So we played in the rain and rain was coming out of the piano and rain was coming. It was, it was in my head. It was everywhere, you know. And, and at the end of every song where they were playing in the rain, there was no applause. It was really weird because they were holding it. They only had one hand. They were holding an umbrella. So they go like this with their umbrella. So I'm looking out and going, oh my gosh, it's a Mary Poppins concert, <laughs> you know. So... Um, so and your you can, whole life was on the line. Your, oh, my God. Your again, home mortgage. Again, again, yeah, again. And, and were you still working for Entertainment Tonight when you I was. That? So this I was, was. kind of like your... I wanted to show people. I wanted to say, this yeah. is what I am. I'm a musician. You know, and so uh, after, after four more songs of Playing in the Rain, God supernaturally stopped the rain. The moon came out. This mist came along. You'd pay like 10 grand to have a mist do that. <laughs> mist came like a, like a fog thing came out. And we continued playing, and there was a, a wonderful woman named Linda Taggart. I'm going to see her in a few weeks at Maryland Public Television. And she tested the show at midnight. She called me up the next day at Entertainment Tonight, and she said, this show just blew all of our other shows away. I think you've got something here. And within... Now, what do you mean she tested it at midnight? She, played it, it, she played it on her PBS station oh. at, at midnight, right? Sorry. Mm -hmm. And it raised a bunch of money for them. And she said, I think you got something. So the news traveled. All the rest of the PBS stations ran it for, uh, for years. Uh, and we went, from, we went from selling 50 records a week to 50,000 a month. Wow. I know. And it was, wow. it, was, it was another supernatural thing. And then I decided that I needed to go on tour, be on tour for like 50, 50 tours, 50 uh, shows in a row. And I went to Paramount Television. It was producing Entertainment Tonight. And I said, I'd like to leave uh, my position as host of Entertainment Tonight. And they said, no. And I said, what do you mean, no? I can't quit? No, you have a contract. And so since I was a criminal. <laughs> you just quit anyway. <laughs> Did you? 
Did you just quit? I went to them and said, yeah, I quit. I did. I'm sorry. I know I'm not like that. Don't you know, follow Paul. Don't follow John as John does. Um, I mean, we went to them and had a conversation with them. This is what we want to do. And they said, no, you have to, you have to work out your contract. So they took me to court. They sued me and they took me to court. And, um, and not a lot of people even know this story. And I was scared out of my mind. I mean, they were going to sue. They, they were, they were going to sue me. They were going to sue the record company. They were going to sue each venue that I was going to pay at, play at. And went to court and, and, uh, Judge Diane Wayne said, and my, and my, my buddy Chuck Kenworthy, who was, he was my, he was my friend and my attorney. And, and at the time didn't know all that much about entertainment news, but he was a great attorney. It was him against this giant machine. And, um, and the, Diane Wayne said, the judge said, I can't, you can't force this guy, you know, to work. Come back, talk and come back later, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to issue an injunction. Wow. I can't imagine how nervous I was. Mm. And so um, uh, we went back and talked, and we made nice, and it was great. And, it was a, and, and I worked a couple of more months, and it was and it So was, when was, was that fine. that you actually? It was 1996. 96. Yeah, because Red Rocks was in, in, in 95. But, yeah, Connie's like, don't tell any of these stories to Andrew. He's going to hate you. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, to me, again, this just speaks to redemption because we yeah, haven't got to true. where you are now yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. But, man, yeah. you and Connie are walking in the Word, and maybe later we can go into more detail, but you have Bible studies with Butch and Julianne Hartman. You're going into hospitals. You're seeing people healed. And to see where you came from to where you are now is just a tremendous testimony to the power like I said, of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, when you connect the dots, you realize, you know, and I, it, just gratefulness. I mean, it's, you know, you're always telling me that, you know, what's the, what's the better way to play, pray? Start out with just being grateful. You know, there's something in there that you can be grateful for. And, and there's some stuff that I did that, you know, that crashed and burned and didn't, wasn't resurrected like, you know, like Red Rocks. But, um, but boy, I mean, where I am right now and the studies that I've done on the, the Word of God, I understand that God was with me through every minute of that, and I couldn't be more grateful. So since 96, how many concerts do you do per year or something? We probably do 25. Really? Yeah. The, the, difference, the difference between the concerts that we did and the concerts that we do now since meeting you, since understanding uh, what healing scripture is, is that I always had a hard time, Andrew, sharing my faith. So I would go, even when we did worship at Red Rocks, which is one that you and Jamie have, have watched, even when I did that, I had a hard time like speaking about, about my faith. I would play music, right? But I had a hard time speaking about it and explaining to people what my, what my faith was. But uh, once I had a testimony and I'm not saying that, that I'm not at all. I mean, I need to be really clear to those of you who are watching. I do not believe that God put cancer on me so that I would have a ministry. There's a lot of stuff that I did in my life that, that was, I mean, I was, when I was in New York, I was drinking too much. I was doing some drugs. I wasn't eating well. It was really stressful. All of that stuff can be connected to prostate cancer. Okay. So I, you know, what I was, what I was, when I was living carnally, I wasn't, I wasn't doing great things for my body. But beyond that, I know from the scriptures that God did not put this on me, this cancer that I was diagnosed with, to teach, to teach me a lesson. 
But once I had the revelation of Mark eleven twenty three, for example, and the revelation of healing, and and experienced that healing, then our our show, our live show, became a completely different show. Because oh, the only reason I do the live show now is making music, music, music. But then all of a sudden it transitions into these stories that you and I are talking about, and then people are like, oh my gosh, how did that happen? And then boom, at the end, it's. And and you know PBS is doing this too. They're putting Mark eleven twenty three on the you know on the screen behind me because it's my yeah, testimony. Yeah. Because I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor. I do not have the experience that you have, but we all do have that testimony. It doesn't have to be cancer, but it could be depression. It could be something you went through with your family. Um, and once you have that testimony, people will line up in the lobby. I mean, a lot of musicians because it's just hard. You play a concert in front of three thousand people, and you can't you can't go talk to all of them, but you have to. So we'll go, and, and my, the band, you know, now it's my family that'll go out, me and, and Prima, my daughter, Gib, and my son, we'll go out there and we'll talk to people, and, they, and it turns out everybody is sick. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's everybody something yeah, we can't put up with it anymore. So you did a, a PBS special at our place, which uh, that was just last year, and man, that was awesome. That's the first one of your concerts I'd been to, and it was powerful, and you gave your total testimony of healing and things like that. But listen, let me let me tell a story. All right, go ahead. So you invite me, to, Connie and I, to come to 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 Karis Bible. We come and we and we uh, we sit in on some classes, and we're like, oh my gosh, this is just this is heaven, this place. And we and and we meet people at Karis. It's it's amazing. The the students here are eighteen to eighty five, I would say, you know, years old. And 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 there was a sameness to the folks that we were meeting. We were meeting in the classroom, where it would be. It would either be, I was sick, somebody handed me a CD, I, I understood this better way to pray, and then I sold everything and I came to Karis. And I, yeah. I went to, or I was just in town and somebody said, well, you should go take a tour of Karis Bible. And they come and they, and they sit in on a class and, and I sold everything and came. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how transformative this college has been for, you know, for, for people. But um, I got lost again. What did you ask me? Well, uh, you know what I was thinking of is when you came and visited, you asked. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah, had yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, right, I said that I'll tell the story, and then I forgot right. how to tell the story. <laughs> or, but or, you cut. actually had a guy oh, die during oh, oh, one please. of those classes. Oh, my gosh. Listen. But you know, wait, Andrew, Andrew takes me to, I'll get through the story, I promise. All right. Yeah, Connie's holding up a sign right now that says, get to the point. <laughs> She does a concert. So, yeah, I, concert. She'll down, be down there. Oh, my gosh. So, project. yeah, so he invites me, to, Andrew invites me to, uh, to, do, uh, to come to the um, uh, praise and worship, right, here at, here, at this, here at Karis. So I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this place is amazing. It sounds amazing. I, I, you know, I've, I haven't been in, in, in theaters like this, maybe one or two, you know. And so Andrew just, this is just so Andrew. Andrew says, well, why don't you do a show here? And I said, yeah, okay, fine. And then nothing happened, right? I didn't, I didn't say anything more. And then I came back again, and you said, you should really do a show here. And so we, we started talking about it. And you and Jamie just wrapped your arms around us and everybody at Karis. And there's so many people uh, that, that live at the, at the high end of production that I'm used to, but even higher than that. And when we came in for rehearsals for, for a week, and we shot this thing here, and you filled the place up with thousands of people, and, and now we've mixed it. it. took us a year, right? But now we've mixed it all up together. And now in public television said, yeah, we, we, we like this. We like, we like the spirit of this. And they're putting it on the air. So Man, with that awesome. one invitation, that though, awesome. think about the lives that you're going to touch with that one inv invitation. Because in that show is the story of, of my uh, supernatural divine healing. 
That's awesome. And so this will run on PBS, what? You said every couple of months for, for six For months? three years. Oh, for three for years. For three years, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah, and then we'll run it on your network. And as I well. remember one of the things you said that really blessed me was that uh, the people that we that you worked with here and stuff like that were as good as any place you've ever used. And better, and better. It yeah, was, that was yeah. really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was great. And and you know, Gib, our our son, warmed up the audience. It was a family thing, right? Gib Connie, was hilarious. Yeah, Connie, Connie, and Derek Packard directed together. Derek was amazing. And then, uh, and then Gib was was doing comedy, and he also he also sang Hallelujah with us. And then Prima, our little yeah. dancer, little dancer, uh -huh. she's six feet tall. She she danced with us, and that's really that's the show that we take out. And yeah. and it's uh, and because you were recording it for PBS, there was times that you'd stop and you'd go back and redo something. Yeah, that's so a lot. Gib of, would come out, yeah. and he would keep the audience entertained, and he was hilarious. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Yeah. So uh, anyway, on the very first day, you kind of introduced your cancer, and that's kind of what got your attention and drew you to one of the teachings that I had. And the first round, you went through medical treatments and stuff like that, but it kept coming back. Yeah, yeah. And so the first round of cancer you dealt with through medicine, but after you had grown a while, you just decided to basically stand and believe. Yeah. And tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's actually... Uh, it's actually an interesting story, um, but but I, I wanted to ask you because I think this is really important for people to hear. Because um, you 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 said this to us when we were talking to you on the phone and and trying to get trying to figure out how much treatment I was going to take and and I, I feel like Andrew I feel like if I had um, if I had just not taken the treatments early on that I probably, if I hadn't had faith for the doctors early on, I would be dead. Yeah. And, if it wasn't and, for doctors, all the Christians would be dead because they had not known how to believe that. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, but can you can you speak to that? You know, what, well, yeah. now who's doing this interview? Well, no, but because I, I, I think this is really, a, sorry, it's, it's sort of bred into me. I think it's really important to for people to understand that, that um, whatever you hear Andrew and I talking about, we're not saying... Hey, if you're facing a you're facing a disease, you, you have to figure out what you personally have faith for. Yeah, this is something I deal with all the time. Is people hear me talk about believing God and how I've seen my son raised from the dead and stuff, and so they come up. So should I take my medicine? Medicine? Should I go to the doctor? And I can't tell people that because it depends on where they are in their faith. Right. And what you're saying is that even though you were a believer and even though you had the word a little bit and you were you were applying the word. To that first round, you needed the doctors yeah. for that first round because yeah. your faith wasn't there. But as it came back, you had grown, and and uh, I remember just basically telling you it depends on what God's leading you to do, and God led you to just not go through. I think you were the terminology that I remember you using was they wanted to do carpet bombing on you, <laughs> and you said that yeah, this yeah. wasn't good. Yeah, so uh, it was about two years ago. Um, where, you know, I, I get, I mean, typically what happens, the people who are watching this who are, who are either in a family that has cancer or have cancer, were diagnosed themselves, understand this where you have surgery or you have a treatment and then you go back in for maintenance where you have, uh, you know, have scans, right? And the scan is radiation. So this, uh, there like a little node would come back on my lymph node, and then and then I'd be clear for a while, and, and then another a node came. I took a, an experimental scan, so they weren't sure, but they thought that there was a node in there. So they sent me to uh, to the hospital in Los Angeles, and we met with a doctor there, a radiation oncologist, and me it was me and Connie and Gibb at this meeting, and I remember going down the elevator 
to uh, to the they have the you're always in the sub basement when it's radiation, of course, because they don't want to you know it's like an H bomb's down there or something. They don't want it to get out, you know. And they're doing that to your body. Oh my gosh, Andrew! You know, and we're, we're and if you if you go through a lot oh. of those tests, it seems like the radiation itself should be damaging. Yes, and that's a part of what this decision was that that that, that you're about to hear. Um, but in that waiting room where people and it was, I mean, it looked like a, it looked like some sort of post-apocalyptic film, where there were these terrible. I felt so badly for them. They were, you know, in in, in wheelchairs, and you could see a you know a tattoo on their neck, where which is where they were, where the radiation was going in, and and um, you know people were sick. You know, and I, I was and I was all of a sudden I was manifesting the, my feelings of of chemo. And Connie was, you know, like was like rubbing my my leg, trying trying to calm me down. And I had to, for the first time ever in my life, I had to remove her hand from me and just say, "Please, I can't right now." I was I was getting sick just being in that situation. So we went and we talked to the doctor, and he said, "Listen, I've seen your scan, and you know, it's it's not totally conclusive, but we, we do believe there's some there's some cancer in there. So what we like to do is use, um, I think he said, 62 treatments where they they map your pelvis." The prostate, of course, is in this area, so so that that's where most of what they thought the cancer was. But in, I call it the engine room. It was in the engine room, right? And so uh, so they wanted to, to, to map out, you know, with tattoos and stuff, and then the, and then the machine would go around, and and it would be like six or seven weeks of this. And so when he started going through, you know, the the list of possibilities, which was you might lose bowel function, urine function, uh, sexual function, and. And um, and by the time he had gotten to, and he said to say it, by the time he had gotten to sexual function, I was like, okay, I'm done. And and uh, yeah. So so anyway, uh, I it was, and we were we had been to I think three of your meetings by then, um, and we had we we had been to Bible study with with Julianne and Butch Hartman, you know, out out in in, in Thousand Oaks, which was a healing room Bible study. So it was all we were talking about was healing. It was all we were praying about. We were laying hands on people at, 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 a, at a subacute facility hospital, and they were and they were recovering. Mark sixteen, you know. Yeah, you know. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. John, people are watching this. Here's John Tesh, the concert guy, television guy, and you're out ministering in the hospital and seeing miracles happen. It's a, it, yeah, and we just saw another one last week, you know. And I know you just had one when you were you you were in 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 Orlando, and and this woman came out of her wheelchair. So yeah. it, I'm here to tell you, I've seen it. I've happened. It, it's, it happens, and I've been around people who are, are healed. Do and, these people know, recognize you when you go into the hospital? Sometimes, and sometimes it really, it's, it's and Connie, Connie probably more than me, um, but, because uh, she's a gorgeous actress, uh, uh, but for me, sometimes it'll be the NBA basketball theme. I wrote this basketball theme, right? They, they ended up becoming popular. Over they the say years. that it's, that's the greatest sports theme in history. It, it, it caught fire back in the days when the NBA was like huge, with you know, with Marv Albert announcing and 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 all those guys, you know. But uh, there, there's there's always a guy in, in one of these hospitals that's visiting his mom and going, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, and he starts singing the basketball theme, and then we're like, "Well, can we pray for your, your mom?" You know. So, so all of this was happening, and we were in the word. I mean, we were deep in the healing word. And so Connie and I, we just we just looked at each other across the room in this exam room, talking with the radiation oncologist, and her eyebrow went up, and my eyebrow went up. And at that moment, Andrew, faith was born. I mean, faith was born, and I was not only I knew that I was not only healed of cancer. But I had all kinds of inflammation in my legs and my ankle because of, of playing ball in school, and it was all gone, and it's still gone. 
And, and, and I think that what triggered that was that it was the voice of God saying to me and to Connie at the same time, which was, now you understand. Now you understand that, 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 that you're healed. You've come this far. And people are listening to this and they're thinking, boy, I wish God would speak to me. But this is after you'd spent, what, a year or two just, I mean, saturating yourself in the Word of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, two years, yeah, at least. And yeah. so... And, and, and pursuing it, just yes. pursuing it. You know? And so these things don't just come out of the blue. People say, I wish God would do a miracle for me like He did John Tesh. But it wasn't just in that uh, room. It's like a woman that gives birth and they say, how long did you... Uh, spend giving birth, and they say, oh, an hour or two, but it was nine months and yes. an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah. And you had been preparing your heart and sowing those seeds is the reason that happened. Well, yeah, and, and you know, and going back to what we've talked about in, in, in our conversations, it's, it's not just going to happen. It's, it's, it's work. I'm not sure if you're comfortable even saying work, but, no, it, but for me, it was work. You have to pursue it. it I, yeah. I mean, I had to sit down and, 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 and it's not, it's, it's, the other thing is, is that I was always trying to say, okay, where am I? Let, where's my prayer closet? Uh, where's where, where? When am I going to have my 15 minutes of prayer? And then I read this book um, by Brother Lawrence. Is French? Yeah, yeah pursuing the yeah yeah practicing the presence of God. Yeah, of God. I read this. It gives book. me chills just thinking about it. And he was a, he decided that he was going to wash dishes for God in a monastery. And but but he. All day he was in prayer, and and like and when I listen to your teachings and you talk about your you, you and Barry Bennett both, where you're you're speaking in tongues for most of the day, you know. And I talked to Jamie, your wife, about this, you know, the, the, the same thing. So when faith was born at that at that moment, that's when Connie and I both knew that. And and here's what really really helped. If it weren't if it weren't for Connie, what, what if you what if I did what if I had a spouse who didn't believe this, right? What if I had friends that, you know? You can overcome it, but it is a big hindrance. Yeah. It's always nice to have somebody else in that foxhole. Two are better than one. Yeah. That's what the Scripture yeah. says. So that's when, that's when that happened. So and when you decided to just believe God and not go through all this <coughs> radiation, what was the results of it? Did you have any physical problems? Have you have the no. doctors verified? Uh, no, I mean I had a uh, about a year later. I had a uh, I refused to have any more uh, any more radiation because, I, like you said, I just feel like it would it would cause more problems, right? And and, and and by the way, a test the test to test for bone cancer or whatever is radiation, and and it's also ra a radioactive isotope. I did subject myself to a, a blood test just because, you know, kind of I decided that more, my GP decided he wanted. And, and all of the tumor markers, all of the inflammation markers, all the rest of that stuff, even triglycerides were like nothing. I mean, it was down, down way below normal. And that was enough, enough for me. And um, I mean, I have more energy than I've ever had in my life. That's awesome. I know that you were blessed today by hearing John talk about what God's done in his life. And I tell you, it is just awesome. We got a lot more great things to share with you. So join us again tomorrow as we continue this John Tesh interview. We hope you enjoyed today's interview with John Tesh. If you'd like more information about John Tesh or his book titled Relentless, Unleashing a Life of Purpose, Grit, and Faith, visit his website at johnteshrelentless.com. You can get Andrew's book titled A Better Way to Pray in either English or Spanish absolutely free when you contact us. 
This offer is limited to one free book per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. A Better Way to Pray is also available as either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast and as a companion study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today.